five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatted yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, unto the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have a heart of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simple, yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Yeah. So before we get to our, our sermon here this morning, I would like to start with trivia. Who likes trivia? All right, yeah, okay. So, we're in our second to last sermon series in the letter of of James. We've been studying it for the last number of weekends now. uh, But I have to tell you that the name James comes to us a little processed, okay? Here's the first line of the letter in Greek of of James. And and pardon my Greek, but it's Iekobos Theokai Kuriu Iesu Christo Doulas. James of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, a slave. Translation there. Okay? But look at that very first word. That's that's the name of the author. Okay? Let's zoom in a little bit. Iekobos, or also rendered as Iacob. 
Jacob. What name does that actually sound like? Jacob. Jacob, yeah. Right. Jacob is a better translation for this biblical author. This is the letter of Jacob. So there you go. Um, It has nothing to do with our content this morning, but you know now that uh, the letter of James, a better translation in English, it would be it would be Jacob. Um, somehow through the translation process from Greek to Latin to Old French into modern English, it morphed into James. Did anybody already know this? I'm curious. All right. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> All right, that's the sermon today. <laughs> so, so this is yeah, this is the letter of of Jacob, Jacobus, um, and this is how he starts his letter. Let's actually go back to the beginning. He says, "Jacob, a, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, greetings." Okay, again, this is a letter. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. You hear that there. Let endurance unfold so that you can be mature, complete, lacking nothing. That you can be Jesus confident, kingdom confident. And so James, I'll, I'll go back to calling him James now. He's, he's writing to the church that is going through some stuff. There's pain. There's drama. And he says, hey church, this is an opportunity for you to grow up in Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity to grow in your faith, to learn what it means to be a person, a church, a community of endurance. Church, you can do this so that you can be mature complete. You can lack nothing. That's the trajectory that James wants the church to be on. I know it's hard right now. Keep your head up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The trajectory is set. Maturity. Completeness. But in this letter, James is like, all right, I love you. I care for you. But I also have, I have to give you some straight talk. So in the very beginning of the letter, James is letting the churches know, hey, I I care for you, all right? I care for the church. But then James is also saying, you know, okay, yeah, I want you to thrive. I want you to flourish. But I I have some instructions. I have some pastoral challenges to bring to your attention. And so as we near the end of this letter, you know, he still has a few things to rake over the coals, so to speak. But he also has some wisdom and guidance for the church. And so today, I, I broke down our passage into seven different sections. So this is a classic seven-point sermon. That, that's not a thing. Um, but yeah, seven points today we're going to cover. The, the caveat is each section probably could be its own sermon. All right, so I want you to know that ahead of time, that we're baking a bunch of different things together today, seven points all coming together today, just sort of uh, sort of the, the penultimate, the, the second to last opportunity for wisdom, guidance, and, and to, to steep in God's grace for us this morning. So uh, let's, let's pray, and then we'll get right to it. 
Oh, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We ask that you would help us understand the meaning of the text. Help us to meditate well on the fly as we just traverse through your word. Strengthen us with the Bible, Lord. Strengthen us with your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So to get started, here's our first point right off the bat. I want you to know, church, that planning for the future can cause some control issues for us. James writes this. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there and do business and we'll make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. So James has a word for those who who quickly speak out, uh, throw out plans, okay? And he uses this merchant example. Hey, we're going to go to the city. We're going to go to the big city. We're going to spend a whole year there. Uh, We're going to do business, and we're going to make lots of money, all right? And we do this. Like, like with the future in mind, we set up the ideal scenario. Hey, the weekend's coming up. This is what I want the weekend to look like. This is what I want the holiday season to look like. This is what I want retirement to look like. We just go ahead and, and speak things out. Now, making plans, having investments, setting goals, having dreams, that's not the issue. In fact, they are encouraged. The issue stems from the fact That none of us here know the future. None of us are in control. And so with this economic flavor, this merchant example here, the focus is on human achievement. Making money, doing business, expanding the fabric of your wallet, getting promotions, climbing the corporate ladder, etc. The warning in this text, the warning is about making plans and leaving God on the sideline. If you leave God on the sideline, you're in a risky daydreaming scenario. But also, one of the cautions is that if we make plans and we keep God out of the picture, that can turn us into a a controlling type of person. We can run into some control issues. Because we're in the driver's seat. Perhaps we we dominate the schedule. We dominate others. We become a dictator. We push others around. This is what I want. Here's my expectations. You all need to work to fulfill what I want Christmas to look like. (laughs) The invite here is to recognize that we have never known what's around the corner. And the invitation is to be at peace with that. James says, life is short. It's like the morning mist. It's here and then it's gone. So dear God, please give us the wisdom and grace to count our days wisely. Help us to know that we are limited. We're limited. And somewhere along the way, we've been discipled that being a limited human is is a bad thing. We need to to flip that on on its head. No, we are limited. Life is short. Let's be present in the moments that we have. 
There's grace in that. So we want to plan and we want to navigate life. We want to trust in God, trust in God's will. Moving on, James says, instead, you should say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. If it's God's will, this is what we're going to do. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. This is our second point for the day. It's an invitation into a posture of humility to frame our planning, our resources, frame all of that up in God's will, God's design, God's desire, and then out of that go do good things. As it is sometimes, we're prideful, we're arrogant, we put presumptuous glory onto all the the wrong things. Perhaps to use a first century example, we could think of the, the rich landowners in the Roman Empire. Okay? A small minority of the population, but they had enormous wealth. It's like, yeah, don't, don't boast in the size of your estate. Don't be arrogant. Don't give glory to, to all of your financial interests. It's, it's no good. And again, James is not rejecting future planning and making investments. Again, the the invite is to to come into this posture of humility. Know that your ego is not powerful enough to control the future. So you're invited in that posture of humility to say this. Okay, if it's God's will, we're going to go do it. We're going to live. We're going to do this or that. And so, yes, go ahead. Seek out God's God's will Pray, discern, and then go do good with the resources you have. Because we do miss the mark when we know what is good and we don't do it. So as the Lord wills, let's do the right things today. Don't miss out on the good you can do today by waiting for tomorrow's promotion, tomorrow's position. Okay? What good does God have you have for you today? Now, James has a heart for those who are suffering, those in poverty, those in humble situations. A high majority of of the church was in poverty or they were in a type of, you know, a category of, of slavery. There's different types in the Roman Empire. All right. But not many of the church enjoyed full citizenship, abundant wealth. Not many of the church owned estates. And so next, as we move on, I need to let you know, Okay, James is switching gears. He is now speaking to the wealthy minority in the church. It leads us to our third point. It's a warning to the arrogantly rich. To the powerful who oppress others, the warning and then also an encouragement is this. Jesus has the final say. First century Roman Empire, again, um, very disproportionate. Those who like own land and estates and just massive farms and, and all of that. You know, it, it was just it was a very small minority. OK. And the typical picture was this. They would oppress the workers, oppression. 
They would put the workers down so that they could live in luxury. And now James has apocalyptic uh, language that we're going to get into here. Apocalyptic language is very symbolic. Okay. Back in the Old Testament days, uh, the ancient kingdoms uh, that, you know, the the pagan kingdoms, they, they walked about in arrogance and abuse of power. The prophets used this type of language to speak to these old tyrants. Okay. Now this language is being used to talk to the wealthy, oppressively rich. James says, come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you. It will eat your flesh like fire, chemical burns. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields, they cry out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. You've lived in luxury. You've lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. So here's the warning. What we chase after, like riches, it doesn't last. Wealth and influence can be a liability to new creation living. Our stuff can get in the way of our faith, of growing in our faith and trusting in Jesus. The problem isn't wealth itself. We know 1 Timothy 6.10 says the love of money is the root of all evil. The issue is arrogance. It's pride. We're talking about putting too much affection and trust in the stock market. Bitcoin. A life consumed by hoarding treasure. That's a wasted life. And so James is, is calling out the structures of his day. Again, while you, while you live in luxury and you, you make everyone else suffer to support you. And so here comes the apocalyptic judgment. It's time to weep. It's time to mourn. Maybe to try to paraphrase, it's like, okay, dear arrogantly rich, uh, rich you, you, if you don't change in turn. You are going to go to the grave in an extra wide coffin because you are a fat cat. You've indulged yourself in the midst of poverty, injustice, and quality, unfairness. You have ruined human life. You have exploited others so that you can get ahead. You have caused suffering. But dear rich people who oppress others, you are not going to get away with it. On the day of the Lord, this future day that is coming... Your status, your stuff, it will not save you. For those oppressed by Rome, hearing this this letter from James, this would sound like good news. Okay, again, most of them are not in this situation. Most of the church are the the downtrodden and and like they're they're the marginalized, they're on the move, they are in poverty. And to hear that someday Jesus will make things right. 
That's uplifting. Rome and the people who make money off of Rome, they will not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. The Lord of armies hears you. Dr. Anthony Blair paraphrases it this way. Don't you know that God is always on the side of those who are taken advantage of? And don't you understand that at the end, God will make things right. The apple cart will be overturned. The ladders of success will fall down. Gold will actually rust. What a hard day that will be for some of you. I pity the fool who will have to stand before God and explain with a quavering voice and trembling knees why he mistreated his brothers and sisters. Oh my, I really wouldn't want to be you. A warning to those not paying attention. How they are treating their brothers and sisters. <coughs> the rich who oppress others. And then, James turns to words of, of comfort. To the majority of the church, who's poor and oppressed, they're migrants, they're scattered people. He says, therefore... Therefore, brothers and sisters, what in the world? Where this happened last week? (laughs) We're slide number four. Okay. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. All right. In, in light of Jesus being near, in light of the Lord of armies hearing you, James is saying to the church, he says, hey, be patient. So I don't know where the slide went, but point number four is this. It's also in your, your bulletin. Point number four is an invitation for patience. An expectation like, like an attentive gardener. Okay? This is agrarian wisdom inserted here. In, in contrast to the wealthiest states and the economics of, of first century Roman Empire and all of that, James then kind of just he goes back to a more uh, earthy type of wisdom, agrarian wisdom. Hey, it's like being a farmer, a garden, gardener. You're going to have to plant seeds, and you're going to have to water and wait and weed, and there's a lot of patience involved. And in that climate, you know, there, for a number of months, it doesn't rain. Sometimes you have, to, you have to wait for rain to come. Patience, endurance, and humility, knowing that you don't control the future, we plant and we practice patience for the fruit to come. Your ego cannot raise up the crops. (laughs) Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. The branches connected to the vine bear fruit. So in light of the burdens of the day, in light of like all the pain and drama that we go through, in light of the, the hard living, because Jesus is near, James says, strengthen your hearts. Jesus is, is near his, his presence Seek out his presence every day. Abide with Jesus. And in that abiding, 
in that remaining with Jesus, connecting to the vine. Practice that that active waiting. As a branch, you're not always going to bear fruit. Sometimes you have to prune. Sometimes we grow. Sometimes we, we bear fruit. But we practice an active waiting. An expectation. We are looking for Jesus to be on the move in our life. And next, James says, Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. This is our fifth point. We want to be watchful. The pressures of the day, pressures, life pressures, cause us to lose focus both on Jesus and we lose patience with others. The pressures of life, economic issues, hostility and and selfishness circling around us, the burdens of, of life, it can cause us to lose patience. And I know you can all relate to that. But the warning is is this. Hey, look, the judge stands at the door. That's a way of saying, another way of saying that, that Jesus is near. Jesus is near. On, on, on the day, that, that's turmoil. You know, may, maybe this past week, maybe it was Thursday or something. You just had just a miserable day. It, it, Jesus was there with you. Jesus is near. Jesus is here. Look, the judge stands at the door. Jesus is near. And so the invite is keep your focus on Jesus. That's the challenge. Keep your focus on Jesus. Loving on Jesus, loving others. Try not to sigh inwardly. Try not to complain about one another. Because you might fall into the trappings of being a judge. And already in this letter we've talked about... Uh, James told us not not to judge, not to badmouth others. The path to Christian maturity, it does come with challenges. There are demands in life that certainly tempt us to want to ditch the Jesus way. You know, on a Sunday morning, we might say I'm crucified with Christ. But hey, by Wednesday morning, we're getting down off that cross and we're, you know, we, we lose our patience. You know, because life is hard. The temptation to ditch the Jesus way is there. And so we we might need some heroes to admire. And that's where we go next. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So here's point number six. You are invited to learn from the prophets of the Bible. Because they are examples of patience, endurance, suffering. James doesn't just say, be encouraged. He says, no, I, I want you to do the heavy lifting. Go back and learn about the prophets. The prophets. Learn about their faith life. What they went through. The the context of their life. Some of the prophets of God. They were so faithful. But yet they were stoned. 
Sawn in two. They were, they were cut down by the sword. They, they had to wander in deserts. They were destitute and afflicted and tormented. Being steadfast, steadfast in faith, it doesn't naturally, it doesn't naturally guarantee a, a happy-go-lucky life. And with the pressures of life and the, the pain and just like the, the weird stuff that happens to us and the hard stuff that happens to us, we might not always understand or even get to know the purpose of our pain, our drama. But what we can know is that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And as we just cast our eyes to Jesus, we can also know this morning, you know, Jesus suffered. Jesus knows what it feels like to be condemned and unjustly executed. He is crucified Emmanuel, God with us, the suffering servant. Jesus knows what it's like. And see, we count as blessed those who have endured. And finally, above all, my brothers and sisters, if there is one thing you take away from this entire letter. James says this. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth, earth or with any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you won't fall under judgment. Now there's a variety of interpretations around this, uh, these, these verses here, this verse. But for us today, let it be an invite to be a person of good character. This is our last point today. Be a person of good character. If you keep your word, you will avoid judgment. You don't need to say, I swear to God, in order to back up your statements. So the warning is is this. Swearing is an insult against God, and God will judge us for it. We've covered this a few times in the letter of James. God cares about our speech patterns. God cares about our, our language. And so in a swift, practical statement, he just, he, he borrows from Jesus, essentially. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your character just shine forth. Be above reproach. Keep your word. You don't need extra oaths. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so there it is. We've, we've made it through some more wisdom and guidance from, from James, brothers and sisters of Plymouth Meetings Church, as we are near the, the end of our sermon series. Lord willing, we'll finish it up next week. Life is hard. It's full of tests and trials. There's pain. There's trauma and disturbances. Some days we wake up, we have a pain in our neck. Or for whatever reason, it's like, where's our energy? We're wiped. It's hard. Life is uphill. Sometimes our faith feels thin. We have questions and we have doubts. But still, let us go back to the gospel. Let, let us go back to that, that deep, I'm talking deep, that deep gospel call inside of us, that deep stillness that beckons us to trust Jesus. 
Because it's Jesus in you that, that lets you walk through the fire and the flood. It's, it's Jesus in you that, that teaches you this is, this is what endurance looks like. This is what patience looks like. Jesus is the one who teaches us how to embrace that pressure. Diamonds are made under pressure, as they say. And so there's a lot more we could have explored from this New Testament letter. But I encourage you to keep reading it and studying it over and over again. And where Bible study ends, the school of life picks up. And as you know, there's a lot of stuff in the school of life. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in life. And so we need wisdom. We need guidance and wisdom. So whether it's planning for the future, discerning God's will... Figuring out how to, how to do good with the time and resources you have. Whether it's in, you know, trying to learn how to be patient and, and waiting with expectation and finding encouragement, perhaps from the prophets of the Bible and Job. Maybe it's in, you know, being a person of truth and character. Or perhaps just this simple everyday hope that and trust that, that Jesus will someday make things right. Jesus will bring restoration. Oppression and abuse does not last forever. So Plymouth Meeting Church, keep embracing Jesus. In quiet times, go discover the stillness. Listen for that still, small voice. Wait for that healing rain come. The patience that is brought about by endurance. <coughs> Jesus is with you, and he's equipping you to complete this long journey. And to borrow from James, James's trajectory for us, Plymouth Meeting Church, all of you, you will cross the finish line. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep seeking out his wisdom, his guidance. You'll make it to that finish line, mature, complete, and lacking nothing. Let's pray.